This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 397 of the Stable Scoop Show. Newport Polo with Dan Keating and auditor Linda Gettig. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are the Clarion Lexington and Uncle Jimmy's Products. Auditor Linda Gettig is in the Listener of the Week hot seat, and Dan Keating, captain of Team USA and Newport Polo. Listen in. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable School. Stable School. Stable School. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, howdy, Helena. Good afternoon, dear Glenn. You're not feeling well today. I voice. I went out amongst people at Road to the Horse. And (laughs) what I determined is that people are germy and they carried colds and they gave me one. People is just another word for germs. Yes. Every time I go out in like public, I'm never leaving the studio again. I I don't usually get sick if I just sit in my studio and never leave. But we we did have a great time at Road to the Horse. I wasn't sick then. So we, we we had a really good time and... Had a lot of fun. It was a packed house, 8,000 people there. Wow, how exciting. Lots of activity. You know, it's different than your average horse show. Road to the Horse is full of like, you know. And it's three days and everybody is there all three days. You know, everybody watches all three days. And I've got to give kudos to the Kentucky Horse Park uh, where the Alltech Arena is, the indoor arena there. The parking lot was fairly small, so they would end up parking three quarters of the crowd a half a mile away and having to bus them over, and it was a mess. But now they have uh, more than doubled the size of that parking lot and paved it. Apparently got it done a week ahead of Road to the Horse. So now everybody can pretty much park at the Alltech Arena. So that's going to really help them, I think, when it comes to getting concerts in and stuff like that. If yeah. if, if the if you have a big parking lot that's capable of holding you know most of the cars and people don't have to walk a mile, they're going to be more likely to come back. And I think that's really going to help them get more more bigger things in. And of course, of course, we'll be headed out there again next uh, next month for April for Rolex yeah, for Rolex. So. So I'm looking forward to that, too. i got to give a shout-out also to one of our sponsors. We stayed there this weekend, and that's the Clarion Lexington. We stayed there. We had dinner there, breakfast every morning. And I don't know what was going on, but the one morning it was surreal. I would go down for breakfast like at 6.30, and it's all cowboy hats, or, or there was a lot of Asians there. Uh, like a lot of them, and I don't know what they were there for, and most of them weren't speaking English. So you saw you saw all these very well dressed Asians who must have been going to a conference or something, and then maybe they the were just cowboys. going on a bourbon tour. I don't know. Then the cowboys. <laughs> it was just yeah. really. A, it was kind of a surreal moment at six thirty in the morning, half awake, watching this all, you know, happen in breakfast. <laughs> but thanks to the Clarion, if you're looking for a place to stay, just go to ClarionHotelLex.com. The 
the next time you're in Lexington. I never got over to the pool, uh, but apparently the pool was quite busy. A lot of people were in town, brought their kids, and left the kids back at the hotel. So, And then it was basketball weekend in Lexington, too. And if you know anything about the University of Kentucky, oh, they're yeah. really into their basketball. March Madness, baby. Oh, March Madness was in full force. And so we go, the one night we went to one of the steakhouses for dinner, and the bar was packed. And every time <laughs> Kentucky scored a point, there was a cheer went up, and then they lost that night. So the cheers started going down and down. Aww. And then after about two hours, the game was over, and everybody just left (laughs) (laughs) so it was it was quite a weekend in lexington this weekend a lot of fun Uh, no wonder you got sick there's just there were just people everywhere yeah we're it's just people everywhere everywhere. i'm not used to that Uh, so we're gonna keep this short show short today so i can actually you know not lose my voice before the end of it because i'm excited about what we have planned why don't why don't we go to the first thing why don't we just go right to an interview you did explain why we're putting it on today's show we are putting it on today. Um, well, your stable scoop host, me, Helena B, has decided to launch her own show separate from the Horse Radio Network. Of course, I'm still married to the Horse Radio Network. I'm very much in love with my Horse Radio Network role. She's not allowed to file for divorce. We don't let her. <laughs> I'm just growing my family a little bit. And um, Buck and I have given birth to that Newport show, which is part of the New England Podcast Network. And that Newport show is about our adventures in our nearby city, our favorite city by the sea, Newport, Rhode Island, which, by the way, is a fantastic place to visit. If you haven't been there, hit me up. I'll show you around. It's a great place. So, of course, we spend more than our fair share of time with horses around here. Whatever horse stuff we can find, we do. And Newport Polo happens to be a very big deal. And the captain of Newport Polo Dan Keating agreed to join Buck and I on our new show and talk about, well, his history, Newport Polo, and all the stuff that goes into this venue. It's huge. I mean, Newport Polo is a is there's like thousands of people. The tailgating is over the top. The announcer is hysterical. It's really one of the. You it's don't really see me. any Boone's Farm wine at Newport Polo. You don't. Do you? It, <laughs> it it really is. Newport Polo is an American treasure. It, it's a great representation of what it means to be American. Really, it's so cool. So we're really happy to have Dan come on and join us. And I think we're going to have him on a regular basis, or we're going to have someone from Newport Polo on on a regular basis throughout their season because they have some really exciting stuff going on. Well, let's take the listen to the interview. We'll do a little cross-promotion. It does apply to horses. So uh, let's take, and of course, what horse girl doesn't like good-looking polo players? I mean, there's that. (laughs) So Dan Keating. Dan is the captain of Newport Polo, also known as Team USA. At the age of 16, Dan was the youngest in the country to hold a private pilot's license as a hot air balloonist. So uh, maybe we could say he's a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. Uh, he was also, and you'll, you'll hear, he um, was an Olympic finalist in the luge before a back injury forced him to take up safer sports such as rock climbing, scuba diving, hang gliding, and of course, Oh, wow, this guy is a, an adrenaline junkie. What, how awesome. I'm jealous. I know. Um, so we're going to hand, so, and in addition to, um, obviously being the captain, he, he plays polo. He also directs the Newport international polo series, charitable donations and benefit matches for the Newport Rotary club. So he's really completely involved in the community. He's involved in polo and Buck and I are 
personally very proud to call him our neighbor. So let's welcome Dan to that Newport show. Welcome, Dan, to that Newport show. We're glad to have you today. Well, thanks for inviting me. So you are, um, you've been playing polo for a very long time, and you are now yes. the captain of, is it the is it the Newport polo team or is it Team USA? Well, you know, it's, uh, it can be different uh, formulations depending upon our opponent. Uh, we're all we're Newport players. We're basically the Newport team. Uh, but then, uh, actually, we have an international team come in. We'll draw from players from around the country to help us uh, field a team. Okay. So I'll also be involved as the captain of that team. And, you know, I was reading your bio online, and it said that you started playing polo back in 1988 um, at my old stomping grounds at the Myopia Hunt Club. Is that true? Uh, yes, it is. So I'm guessing you played with uh, Mr. Don Little. Oh, yes, Don and do. Yeah. Okay. So how did you get involved with polo? Well, uh, it was after school. I was kind of looking for something sport. Uh, I always loved horses and was into horses. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I really had no idea of polo when I was in my very early 20s. And uh, I, I I used to do a sport called the, the Louvre and um, competed internationally in that sport and uh, had an accident in it. And uh, had to stop losing. So you, and you you decided to play play it safe and, and, <laughs> and, and, and play bull. I can see I can see where you'd want to step it down a little from the luge there. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't now is there anyone else in your family that's horsey? Nope, not at all. I was uh, I was the only one. Isn't that funny how it goes? You know, some people get it becomes your your life, not just your career or your hobby, but being involved with it's horses. A passion. Yeah, it it really it's is a passion, passion, and it's a very uh, consuming. I used to uh, have a lot of uh, other interests and things like that, and I I still think about those interests, but. Um, Really, when I think about them, I think, oh, I've got these horses, I've got to ride. And well, you know, I, horses that have to be trained. And Yeah, I mean, I think, what is the most rewarding part or exciting part? I mean, clearly being out there playing is, uh, you know, the kind of the pinnacle of the week um, when you know that you've got this match coming up every week. But uh, having been around horses a long time myself, um, it's not a question of hopping on and riding once a week. So there's a lot of care, a lot of training. What is it that you really enjoy the most about the sport? Well, uh, I, I mean, there's two elements. There's, there's the element as the player and there's the element as the organizer. And the element of, as the player is, is that it, it uh, polo is, is if I, I gave you a shot in the arm and you could run 40 miles an hour and had the mass of 1200 pounds. And, you know, that's kind of a really cool feeling that you can move that fast. And once it gets to a certain point uh, in your polo development, you don't see the horse anymore. So it becomes like chess, a 3D chess game where you're traveling at 35 miles an hour and 40 bursts of 40 miles an hour, hitting wow. a ball over 100 miles an hour. So it really becomes a very intense in, in, uh, sport with so many different layers and elements to it. And that's what, you know, why people pursue it to the extent that they do, because, um, you never fully master it. Mm. It's something that you, you always kind of want to get a little bit better in your, in, in, you know, as you get a little older and maybe some of your, some skills diminish, other skills improve. 
like mm. your your cognitive abilities and your understanding of the game and your anticipation can improve while maybe your um, some elements of your youth kind of fade a little bit. You know, so you, you play a little bit wiser versus harder. Right. Yeah. That, right. I think and that, and that could, that's true in, in a lot of horse sports. You you do you definitely come out of the gate. I think um a lot of us who compete, you you just you ride hard and long and then the older you get, obviously your body can't respond or, or compete the way it used to, so you start to go a little bit softer physically, but harder intellectually, I think. I don't think right. you want to I, tell I, Dan he's going soft. <laughs> Sorry, <Okay>? Dan. <laughs> don't tell well, Dan. Well, you soft. know, you have to be practical and I am at that point in my career where I, I see those elements and I'm uh, working extra hard to delay father time. But um, uh, on the other side of it, on the organizer, I think that the most rewarding aspect of that is to meet people on the field uh, who are who have their children in tow. And they want to say hi and say that they're there because when they were little and they were a kid, their parents took them. Isn't that like amazing when you to see the joy in someone's face? And it's not just the kids. I mean, some of those right. grown-ups line up for the hand slap at the end of a match, and they are just as elated as the little ones. Yeah, it, it's it's really a cool thing. And to think that you impacted somebody so much as a in their youth that they wanted to uh, have that same experience with their children and pass that on and to be able to kind of see that uh it means you're doing something right. Well, you know, um, I have to say, I never saw a polo match. Um, I think I'd seen one polo match in my life until we went to Newport Polo a few years ago. And I got bitten by the bug uh, because of all the components of it. I mean, of course, we'd love to watch the match. But if you look around, some people really aren't paying as much attention to the match as you, you might think they would because they're there for lots of other reasons. I mean, it's great family time. Um, there's picnics, there's partying, there's the clothes. Uh, so it actually has, uh, from a um, just a viewer perspective, it has lots of great elements. There's just so many good reasons to go to the, uh, to the event. And... Um, you know, the hand slap at the end really wins my heart every time. I really love it. It's like I got a little touch, a little my little touch of whatever was happening out on that field. Your sweaty hand comes by, and we're all good with that. You know, it's it really makes right. it exciting. Yeah, I, I think that there's a you know a great afternoon in the summertime when the sun's shining and it's a beautiful day and a nice breeze coming over. Hang out with your friends and family on the side of the field and watching the horses gallop by. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's kind of magic. So how much training goes into this? I mean, I'm assuming that, uh, you know, you guys have to train during the week. Um, I, oh, I'm yeah. guessing uh, that well, most of these I, guys have a full-time job too. Well, we're multidimensional in that, um, you, you know, there's training for us personally as players, and then there's uh, training for um, the horses as well. So um, we do both of those types of things. Basically, most of our horses come from uh, their repurposed uh, racehorses. And racehorses are just kind of uh, wonderful, athletic, uh, but very tightly wound and very, you know, ignorant. So they, they don't really know how to use all of their gates, you know, uh, coherently. And they have to be trained how to do basic flat work and to um, respond to certain cues and things like that. So 
for a year or so, we're just training them on the flat without introducing into polo. And you, then you, another year's introduction into polo. Do you um, ever do, um, do you do dressage in your flat work? We do a little bit. Uh, we do some elements of it, but we have the horses on a loose rein. Mm-hmm. So it's a combination of dressage and western riding, where they do a lot of leg yielding for turning and a lot of reining. Uh, but we just want to stay off of their mouth because, you know, in, with dressage, you have kind of a very subtle direct contact with yeah. the mouth. Yeah. And with polo, you want a, a loose rein and uh, you want to um, regulate the gates a little bit more according to your seat. You know, it's funny because when as a, as a horse person and then as a spectator at one of the Newport polo events, you can... Um, you can see, if you pay close attention, you can see the players giving aids, but then there are times when you can tell that one of the polo ponies is actually on autopilot. I mean, is there some point sure. in, in a horse's career where um, there's the communication changes between the horse and rider, where the, the horse really kind of gets their job, knows it? And then there's yeah, a, there's a absolutely. And that's what we're, uh, you know, trying to do with the training is, is to kind of teach them. There's a lot of things that traditionally would freak a horse out, you know, galloping around with other horses, bumping into other horses, waving sticks around. Those are things that would traditionally alarm your dressage horse. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> My horse would be in the next county. <laughs> and, and so we kind of introduce polo in a gradual way so that they get used to those things and, those, and they realize that those things aren't going to bother them. And the great horses really, really, really love it. When they're racing down alongside of another horse and they just put their head down and just go faster on their own without you asking them, and they just kind of drop their shoulder and come in for a bump without asking them, just to do that, just because they love it and they, they have that desire to to win um it's a a great feeling to ride a horse uh, showing that kind of spirit but a lot of them do know what they're doing and if you were to take a lesson and i'd love to have you take a lesson especially since you've got some previous riding experience uh you would see that um the first thing that we do after the safety briefing in the lesson is we just walk into the ring and i have you just look at different points in the in the uh in the arena and the horse will go to those points just by you looking. Mm, that that's was, how subtle. They're, that's they're, now, if they're galloping, you know, it's not going to quite be a, a precise movement, but it's just important to know that the horse is so sensitive that just the head shift, just the look, they're so in tune with you, just to look at where you're going, they'll go there. Mm. And um, But at a certain point, you know, the horse has a, um, a brain the size of an orange, and as trained as they are, you have to think outside of what the horses, you know, you, you have a much larger brain and you're supposed to think more, in a more complex way and understand the game in a more complex way. In other words, the horse is kind of responding to what it may see and what is happening, but you have to think about what may happen and what could happen and work on those probabilities. Um, and that's what uh, happens when you develop anticipation and things like that of whether uh, Wayne Gretzky says you don't uh, go to where the puck is, you skate to where the puck will be, and it's the same way in polo. Yeah, I was just going to say um, that the anticipation of what's happening with the players around you is where the you know the human brain has its its place you know in the in the sport. But I was going to ask the question about learning to play polo, um, and you touched on it a little bit. 
if a co-host wanted to buy his co-host a, a, some lessons at Polo or expose her to such a thing, um, how does a person go about getting involved? It seems like a very uh, close-knit, exclusive sport, and yet um, everyone that I've met around the Polo world is exactly the opposite, very open and, and engaging. Right. Um, well, first of all, to, to answer your first question, the, the way to do it is to um, just go to the website and there's a thing for lessons and you, you hit on that. And, and basically every week we put out a lesson schedule. So, and I would love to invite both of you to come and take a lesson. And I think you'd have, have a blast. Oh, sounds uh, most people find that uh, taking a lesson in polo is uh, harder than they thought, but more fun than they thought. <laughs> so... All right, we'll be there. We'll be there. I I did. I took a polo lesson years ago, um, uh-huh. but it was not on. Um, it was not on a polo pony who uh, was used for lessons. So of right. course, being a, a traditional hunt seat rider, I <clears throat> my brain had said, "Okay, let's go forward um, and let's think about in a half a second closing your leg." Well, yeah, that was right. the wrong thing to do because we took off <laughs> at a gate that I wasn't prepared for. Absolutely, so you guys don't keep your leg on, do you? Uh, well, no, uh, that's a part of the aids that we, when we release the horse's mouth from the bit, we want the horse to kind of, uh, be in a, we still want the horse in the frame and to be balanced. So depending upon the nature of the horse and some horses are colder than others and yeah. some horses are hot and spicy, we have a little bit of leg on or no leg, depending upon what really is called for between the horse and, um, you know, what, what the horse is like and what the horse is uh, is being asked to do. And for those of you that aren't that familiar with what leg is, is basically when the rider's sitting in the uh, saddle, there's lower leg pressure uh, to either side or both sides of the horse, and that would kind of cause the horse to move forward or to help aid in turning and things like that. And, and you kind of regulate that pressure. and You don't really notice it if you're watching on the sidelines what's going on. The rider definitely is is constantly in touch with the horse, and in polo you'll notice that the saddles are much thinner. They're called close contact saddles. They're not quite as thin as a as a racing saddle, um, but um, because they're a little bit more heavy duty, but they're very thin. It's a close contact, so you want to be able to feel the horse, as opposed to say the exact opposite would be a, a western saddle, which has a lot of padding and things like that. But in polo, you're on that horse for you know, uh, a period of polo, which is seven and a half minutes in a Western context, you're usually out riding eight or 10 hours working. Uh, so you don't want to feel the horse. So from a, a purely competitive, uh, uh, perspective, um, Newport Polo has the advantage of everyone of always, kind of always playing a home game, which I find kind of fascinating. I, I guess you guys do travel some, but but most of the games yep. are, are. Tell us a little bit about like when we can expect to see the games. Is there a pretty much always at the same time on Saturday evenings? Is that right? It's Saturday at five o'clock uh, from June uh, to September, and then September we we dial it back to four o'clock because of the uh, sun setting a little earlier. But it's every Saturday at five o'clock, and yes, it is an advantage having a home uh, home fields. Uh, the field is an advantage. The crowd for some polo players is an advantage to us because we're a little bit more used to it. And uh, although we, we love it when the uh, the crowd, you know, gives a good share for for our team, we also kind of respect that they um, also give the um, the visiting team 
you know, uh, a little uh, encouragement as well. <laughs> it's, um, I mean, you guys have quite the venue. It Not only is it is it beautiful, I mean, the fields are gorgeous, but you have grandstands, you have tailgating, you have uh, Newport Polo as an organization is a very welcoming, hospitable group. And I, I mean, you guys really go to great distances, I think, to make your spectators feel welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about the organization in terms of, you know, the hospitality and your spectators? Okay, well, you know, a lot of people who didn't grow up with polo in their background, and, and I kind of can totally relate to that, um, because it's such a small sport, don't know how to, you know, we get a lot of questions, are we invited, can we come and watch, and and, and questions like that. And uh, one of the things that we wanted to change about Newport Polo is to make sure, because we kind of love the actual sport itself so much, and we know that it can be universally appreciated, we wanted to make sure that it's accessible to people and families. And uh, that's why we kind of don't have an admission charge for kids. And and we want to really reach out to people to know that uh, it's not an exclusive event. Um, as far as being dressed, you could go right from the beach or you can, you know, kind of wear a beautiful sundress and, and a blue blazer and a fantastic hat. But, you know, those things, and, and you wouldn't feel out of place. No, but and, those things aren't necessarily necessary if you don't want to wear them. And, you know, depending on where you sit, um, we've experienced the matches from I, just about every venue, every corner, every corner that's there. And so, uh, I mean, you can sit and have a beautiful meal and have a server bring you a bottle of champagne or you can sit in the grass in your shorts and uh with your dog with your dog and drink a beer yeah. and then go out in between the chuckas and stomp divots and divot. play with dogs and it, it, it throw frisbees it's just yeah. a really obviously we are big fans yeah. and so we were uh, super excited that you agreed to be on the show because any way we can be associated with it just uh, is near and dear to our hearts i think Tell people, well, Dan, where they can find yeah. – um, where they – I mean, we want to invite everybody into this this love fest here with Newport Polo. How can people find out more about schedule, tickets, matches, and all that stuff? Uh, well, um, basically, tickets are available the day of the match, or if you feel more comfortable, you can get um, them in advance. And for the pavilion, which is the seating area where you, we're talking about you know, having champagne brought, you can also – a beer there too. Um, it's recommended to uh, get those uh, earlier in, um, because it, it does sell out. But Polo itself doesn't quite sell out. So, um, you know, you can come the day of and it, if it works out for you, or you could just go online and buy the tickets in advance. And now everything is electronic. So you can get a ticket, you can buy a friend a ticket and email them a ticket. And so everybody, you know, it's, it's really easy okay. to get in. But and fans can go to newportpolo.com. It's nptpolo.com. They have a very comprehensive web- website. And you can get tickets on there, right? You can get tickets on there, and you can get them right at the day of the match. But some people, you know, we've things have shifted more and more, obviously, to, you know, digital ticketing and things like that. And people just feel more comfortable having their ticket and uh, searching where they want to go. And, and like you said, there are different places to view from, and it's all about different personalities. And it really, you know, one place is not any particularly better than another one. Some people are dyed in the wool 
you know, tailgaters and have their pre-reserved tailgating space that they reserve in March and they invite their friends and they're just, you know, they're, they've been doing it for years and, and, uh, they set out a huge, fabulous tailgate with crystal and, you know, all kinds of, you know, wonderful accompaniments. And then other people just kind of like say, Hey, it's polo. Let's go to the, uh, we're, we're at the beach. Let's uh, pack up and go. And, you know, they kind of do it. That's, you know. a, that's us. That's what we, we're in the garden doing something. And we're like, let's get out of here. Let's go to Polo. Well, I have one more, I have one more question because we haven't really placed a lot of emphasis on the whole competitive nature of the, of the actual sport. Who's the team to beat out there uh, for 2016? What's the, you know, what do you see Who as you the, want to take down? the country <laughs> that really brings it every year and maybe uh, kind of kicks butt and they're the ones that you really uh, yeah. gear up for? Well, Mexico has been bringing in some ringers, and we, I'd, personally, I'd really love to uh, get Mexico. Um, but, you know, uh, last time Australia came, they came with a really super team, and uh, they 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 uh, schooled us fairly well. But the first time they we came... We were at that match. We were. Yeah. That was really <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Uh, <laughs> we were there. Yeah. I haven't forgotten it either. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so I'd love to uh have a great team to to face those guys you know they 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 do travel quite a distance for one game so uh you know we want to give them every advantage with horses and things like that but they'll they'll be coming loaded for bear for sure Wonderful. Sounds good. Well, we are just about out of time and I cannot thank you enough for joining us. We will provide uh, links to the Newport Polo website, as well as information about how you can get out there and become a spectator. And we promise you, you will become instant fans if you just one match and you'll be hooked. Thank you, Dan Keating from Newport Polo. Thanks, Dan. Hello, folks. Uncle Jimmy here, and welcome to the world of Uncle Jimmy brand products, where funny names mean serious products. Featuring Uncle Jimmy Squeezy Buns, the squeezably soft hand treat that your horse will love. The award-winning Uncle Jimmy's Hangin' Balls. Uncle Jimmy's Sugar-Free Ball. The incredible Licky Thing, also in Sugar-Free. The amazing Uncle Jimmy's Pecker Wrecker. And the Big Licky. The infamous Uncle Jimmy Hangin' Ball was first designed by me for my own horses to help reduce the bad habits which come from stall boredom. It now can be found around the world. This nutritious, flavored, filled boredom buster will help keep your horses occupied and happy around the clock. Properly hung, it will last for weeks, provided you don't let your horse pin it, and Uncle Jimmy knows who you are. The ball comes in four flavors, apple, carrot, peppermint, molasses, and now sugar-free. Once again, welcome to the world of Uncle Jimmy's brand products, where funny names mean serious products, and satisfaction is 100% guaranteed. Well, coming up next on the Year of the Listener is a lady that I got to spend a little bit of time with over the weekend. She decided to heard about Road to the Horse on the show and decided to come out and check it out, and I put her to work. <laughs> we needed a uh, guest wrangler because Jennifer stayed home at the studio here to run the live feed from here, and it was just Mary and I. So Linda stepped up with her friend, and they wrangled guests all weekend, helped us out, came in, uh, to dinner with us one night. It was a lot of fun. We got to, It's always fun to meet the listeners and, and to get to hang out with them in as much time as we did with Linda. So we wanted you to meet her as well. Her name is Linda Geddick, and she's going to tell you a little bit about her life in Utah. 
It is the year of the listener. And now, our Stable Scoop listener of the week. Well, hi, Linda. Long time no see. It's been a few days. <laughs> <laughs> I had the uh, tremendous opportunity over the weekend to meet Linda Gettig at Road to the Horse. You were there with your friend. What's your friend's name again? Lila. Lila was there. Yeah, uh, she's my longtime riding companion. So. Well, it was so much fun. Thank you so much. I have to give you a round of applause for helping out all weekend. Mary and I really appreciated you guys. You wrangled guests for us on all the shows we did. You hung out with us to watch the competition, and it was just a joy to have you there. Yeah, it was just a pleasure to help out. I I, I learned a lot. It was a great experience for me. Well, thank you, know, you for letting me help. No problem. Mary says thank you, too. You know, uh, I got to give kudos to Mary, too, for the, her Road to the Horse coverage. That was the first time that we'd ever done live play-by-play radio like that on any of our shows. And, boy, she stepped up. She really did. So uh, Right. I just finished listening to the, the live episode, and she, I could picture it all in my mind. I mean, of course, I had seen it, but I thought she did an excellent job describing the play-by-play as well. It was, she did a great job. She really, really did. Good. Yep. I mm-hmm. sucked. She was great. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. How could you not be great, Glenn, in that like, oh, super I got, fancy I did, professional booth? Linda, I did get an email from somebody who I do not think was a regular listener. I think there were a new listener that day. We had a lot of people listening live that day. And oh. a lot of Road to the Horse people listening live because they were promoting it. And I got, an, yeah. I got a letter from the lady who said, that Mary lady was really good, but you showed your bias. And, <laughs> and then she went on to say that I showed my bias toward Richard Winters, and, which was really funny because I was rooting for Nick the whole weekend. So, wow. Um, yeah, so I think funny. I probably succeeded. I did apparently hide my bias. So <laughs> that's, that's called a defensive fan right there. Yeah. They, they were probably, I didn't think you sounded biased. They were probably a Clinton Anderson fan, and I did not give Clinton a lot of love. So maybe that was it. I don't know. Yeah, you can't cross those people. No. <laughs> no, there were a lot of... It's a good thing that I wasn't there then, because <laughs> I can never be unbiased. I mean, there's always a little something that comes through. Mary did a great job well, of being I unbiased. Mean, they, they that was like her job. The fans... <laughs> they like the fans being expressive, so... Everybody has a place at Road to the Horse, I guess. It was good. it was a good weekend. It was a lot of fun. So thank you for that. Yeah, let's was. get to know you a little bit. Uh, tell us a little bit about you growing up. Did you have horses? When did the horses come into your picture? Well, I think I was about eight years old in Pennsylvania, and when I started taking lessons with my sister, and my I I had a red ribbon from that. I have no idea what I did to earn it though, and. Um, my strongest memory of that time is um, standing in the barn with the horse I had just ridden, and he stepped on my foot, um, but he stepped at the tip of the toe where there was, you know, my toes were not there, and I couldn't move him off of me. <laughs> I was stuck all alone in the barn for a while. It felt like forever, you know, when you're eight years old. His name was Deacon, and I, I'll always remember standing there going, Deacon, get off of me, and... <laughs> Anyway, it was just funny, but I had the bug right from then. And from the rest, uh, from that time forward, um, it was always just sort of the odd lesson and or series of lessons and catch as catch can. I grew up in the Army, or my dad was in the Army, so we moved a lot. And, I, you know, I never had a horse or anything um, until my fantastic husband let me 
scratched the itch about <laughs> eight years ago. He has, <laughs> but you I know got, what? We got to get him on the horse husbands <clears throat> episode. I how do. Did you, I know. How did you get from from Pennsylvania to Utah? Well, uh, you know, army brat, um, and then my husband is a professor. So for the past uh, until four four and a half years ago. Um, we were living east of the Mississippi all the time. We were in Canada and Virginia and Michigan, et cetera, and <clears throat> New Jersey. And then uh, we came out here recently. This is where my family is. And his mother uh, and brother live in Boulder, Colorado. He's from Boulder. So we got a little bit closer to home um, for both of us. So that's kind of my story. I grew up moving around a lot and probably still have more moves in my future. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> and is your husband now, um, he helped you or he supported you scratching that itch. Is he horsey at all? Not in the least. He, um, he has a, his own he's itch. He's a professor. Pardon me? He has his own itch. He does. He's a, uh, He's an avid cyclist and has been since he was a kid. So he's, uh, you know, he's he's a professor by day and a cyclist and all the other hours. And he he races all summer long. Travels right now. He's traveling all around the West to various races. So um, I was telling Glenn that every few years I get a phone call that he's had an accident, and I know well enough by now to ask him how the bike is. Before we move on. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's kind of how serious he is about it. <laughs> you know, it's helpful to have someone who's so passionate about their hobby the way we're passionate about our horses. And while bicycles yeah. don't actually have a brain of their own, there's plenty of challenges right. and right and plenty of risks. So do you find that it's helpful um in your oh, relationship absolutely. to share that kind of I, passion? Yeah, absolutely. I you know, before I got my own horse, um I didn't really understand what it was like to to sort of live a passion. And I didn't even know that I had it that badly. <laughs> and he kind of understood as it evolved, he kind of understood what it was. And um, he's always been super supportive of that, you know. And so we both have something that we're passionate about and that we love and, and we get it with each other. That he He just had an accident a few weeks ago and he... He broke his. He got hit by a car. He broke his thumb and had a bunch of other um, problems. And he's not been able to ride except on a stationary on, on rollers. They're called <clears throat> because it'll kind of rattle the the brake apart in the thumb. So um, he's just itching to get out there on on his. He's going to get a new bike from it, but um, he's just itching to get out there. And he's you know just devastated that he can't be out there riding as much as, and, and the weather's getting good and he said this is this is how you feel when you can't ride trigger and he's you know i understand exactly what he's saying oh, so God. it was very helpful and which <laughs> so, which sport one second helena which sport's more expensive you didn't ask that question um, did you? i would say <laughs> i would say the horse is more expensive because the the cost of cycling are you know, in the equipment, but you don't. Yeah, have but to he buys like. Do you three, realize what you just he, did? Yeah, Glenn? but he. Do you bu- I happen to know a little bit about cycling too, and these guys buy like five thousand dollar bikes. I mean, it doesn't well, matter. Yeah, they yeah. do. Doesn't matter. They do. The horses are. <laughs> then they wreck them on a regular basis. And you just made her say it out loud. <laughs> well, it's no secret. 
Hey, my my horse has had um, two abscesses and two um, colic episodes in the past six or seven months, plus a diagnosis of pastern and coffin joint arthritis. So oh, our vet bills have been pretty high, yeah. and every time I call the vet, his his eyes glaze over. <laughs> Do you have to remind your husband that his tires that he replaces every ten days uh, cost about a hundred bucks too? Yeah, he he. Yeah, I do. We we try to. You try not try to, to talk to about our... it too much. <laughs> That's my recommendation. Just don't even talk about it. You know. Just well, don't... I all I'll say is that we live a pretty modest life apart from our two passions. So you know that helps. We don't we don't have high needs in other domains of our lives. <laughs> now this horsey Except, of yours is named, the horsey of yours is named Trigger and is a twenty year old, right? He's a twenty year old, yeah. His uh and he came with that name. I know it's the most obvious name in the world for a Palomino, but not, I didn't want to change it. Anyway, yeah, that's he's he's twenty and he he's had a lot of problems problems in the past several months that he's a really fit horse and it just breaks my heart to think that uh you know possibly we've turned a corner i i hope that's not true but you you just never know let's so, hope it's just a spell it's just uh, yeah it, exactly things come and, and go and you know 20 years old or not it's it's let's just it's just a spell <laughs> i i hope so helena thank I you i have a cross I have a, I, I don't know. I'm going to say he's 27 ish. Uh, I'm not even sure he knows. Yeah, not even <laughs> sure he knows. Uh, Appaloosa Gelding, and um, I've had two very aged horses, and you know, you always like, is this? Are we turning the corner? Are we turning the corner? And you get all like, <gasps> and then a few weeks go by, and nothing happens, and all is quiet, and you're like, okay, no, we're still going, wow. we're, we're heading straight, so. It doesn't happen. Even when they're older, you do have those spells. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. I mean, 27, I, I'm shooting for another 10 years. I figure, you know, I, I figure we can do a lot still oh, if I totally. can keep them sound. My horse and can't he, even, he, he's lost most of his chewing surface on his teeth, so we make him a lot of mush. Wow. And he's still good to go. So Wow. Yeah. Hey, if it makes you feel any better, we had two live to 45, so... Uh, horses or ponies? We had uh, one that almost horse was right on the line. She lived to 43 uh-huh. or 44 and rode her wow. till she was in her mid 30s. Uh, and then one pony, my driving pony, lived to 45. Uh, wow. So, and we drove that pony till she was probably 38 and just loved to go. She wouldn't stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, some of them do go for a long time and you do something else too, that, uh, my wife is getting into and loves these things is extreme, uh, horseman's challenges. Explain that. Yeah. Um, I, it, it seems to be an outlet for cowboys as far as I can tell. <laughs> um, so I'm a little bit out of place doing it because I ride an English tack. Um, and you know, I'm out here in the West, but the, Do you wear uh, a big belt buckle at least? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I think the last time, the last summer when I did it, I had on a cycling jersey. Actually, that was funny. But uh, so I'm very out of place. But anyway, the course uh, that we ride on is about probably two or two and a half miles long, depending on the as the season progresses. Uh, the courses get more challenging and a little bit longer. 
And um, you have to ride through or pass or over various mostly natural obstacles. So you have to ride through a deep trench or over a, a mound at the top of which is maybe um, an animal in a pen like a goat or a turkey or something. Um, you have to go over kind of natural uh, logs, uh, logs fallen in a natural kind of way, kind of pick your way through that. And every um, obstacle has a judge sitting there. Um, and then they'll have some some things that are not natural. We went through a noodle curtain last summer, uh, and we had to go past a um, a camel who a live camel who was in a big pen. And I don't know where they got a camel. Um, and that was exciting. <laughs> a lot of the horses really balked or bolted entirely from the camel. And I was really proud of my horse because uh, I was able to spend some time before the, the my start time. I was able to spend some time on the ground with my horse. And he eventually worked his way over to the pen and they went nose to nose, the two of them, the camel and the horse. And I was super proud of him. And when we rode past, uh, you get more points the closer you get to the pen. And I didn't get as close as some of the cowboys do, uh, but I uh, I got real close and he didn't, he didn't bat an eye. He knew what it was and we moved on to the next obstacle. So it's a lot of fun. Don't camels and spit? What happens if you're the one the camel spits on? Do you get like 100 <laughs> points? <laughs> That's if you can yeah, get close enough can, for the camel to can. spit on you. Yeah, exactly. You make yourself into a target. <laughs> I didn't yeah. see him spit or misbehave all day long. but um, They just <laughs> smell funny. You know, I think, I mean, yeah. my horses don't, I, there's certain cows that they're totally okay with, but the black and white ones, you know, that super high contrast <laughs> coat pattern. Yeah. They're like, whoa. Right. And then sometimes... I, I, the, there's just like a smell I think that gets to him, and so you know who knows yeah. what what it is. But I can see camels as being a trigger for flight for sure. Oh, absolutely, and they're very big. I mean, I've never been on the ground next to a camel until that day. They're very very tall. But the the thing that frightens my horse the most that actually comes up at these challenges is that they have a class uh, for minis pulling carts. And the carts in these cases are like oil drums kind of um, with the back cut out. So the driver stands in the inside of it <laughs> oh and the God. mini pull, pulls this. It's really Sounds like fun, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and the mini pulls, or a couple of minis, will pull one of these people in a drum. And my horse is totally terrified of that sight. And... You know, I mean, we talked about this over the weekend there with with Melody. Remember, we met Melody, yep. the auditor. She has a mini. There's a lot of yeah. horses that are scared of minis. Um, yep. Yeah. And I thought I thought maybe it was just the mini, and I think he has his issues with minis alone. But with a mini attached to an oil drum, he, he lost his mind <laughs> one time. So I try to steer clear of that group of people when I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. It's funny, yeah, but I think that I think minis do seem like an odd species to them, or something. Maybe they maybe they smell funny too. I'm, I'm not sure what it is. Minis are definitely they're they're a universal <clears throat> thing. They're like trolls. Terror. They're like trolls. You know, they're 
But and you, they behave like them too. So it's this, this must be this horse sense. Well, they're like, about the size <laughs> of a predator, right? So they're about the size of a lion, or you know, something that would be a predator. Uh, but then that would yeah. mean horses base. You know, their their incoming information is oh, it's size only because can't they recognize another? Have you ever smelled some minis? Yeah. They smell bad, too, a lot of them. So. <laughs> yeah, I think you're like right. I said, trolls. <laughs> and we just now pissed off all the mini owners. I know. Sorry. You know it's true, you mini <laughs> owners. Cute. You know it's true. Melody, you know your, your mini smells sometimes. I don't know whether that's true or not. I made that up. But they, they well, cute. they're as cute as they can be. They just... Um, they're terrifying. I think horses don't think they're cute. <laughs> well, you know, too, with the don't cart, why. I've been out on a lot of trail rides with my cart, and it takes horses a minute just to get used to the fact that something's pulling or that the cart is behind the horse. And then once yeah, they get... Yeah, I've had that experience, yeah. too, with Trigger. I think I think he was suspicious that the cart was attacking the horse yeah, in front of it. That's right. And, and, yeah. and once mm-hmm. they figure out that's okay and that that's supposed to be the way it is, then they tend to tuck in behind the cart and use it as a safety zone. So we'd be out on these trail rides with 10 or 15 riders and me in the cart, right? And they would all be like tucked in behind me. I'd feel all this hot breath on the back of my neck the whole trail ride because they're like right there. It's a safety zone, I guess. But yeah, yeah, that tends to be the case too. Now, before we run out of time, I want to ask you about this though, because you get to ride in the most unbelievable place. Tell everybody about your normal trail riding adventures. Yeah. um, Well, I live in Salt Lake City, which is surrounded by mountains um, almost 360 degrees. So uh, it's a beautiful valley here. And the barn where I board my horse is in a corner of the valley in a canyon that happens to be called Corner Canyon. And it's a it's a destination recreation area. So uh, there are a lot of trails that go up. I would say, I was trying to think about it the other day. I would say there are probably 30 or 40 miles of trails up into the canyon and mountains. Probably more than that, but that's what I have covered. So we we gain a lot of altitude from the barn up into the top of the um, areas where we ride, and we have um, beautiful vistas out across the entire Salt Lake Valley over the Great Salt Lake, and it's very lovely and beautiful. And we're probably looking about 50 miles in that direction on a clear day. And if we go up over the top, we can see over into the next valley and probably see another 50 miles that way. And uh, it's it's just beautiful and lovely. And this is what I get to ride on every day that, mm. well, when my horse isn't having um, pain in his joints. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's beautiful. It's great riding. And, and the tragic part of it is that it's such a destination site for mountain bikers uh, that the horses are kind of, getting pushed out by default because a lot of people are just, they don't want to deal with that on horseback with a lot of bikes around and a lot of horses dislike it. So it's kind of an issue for the future. Pardon me? That's so sad to hear. Uh, It's really sad because these are originally um, horse trails and this community where the barn is was a horse community and all of the, the roads have horse names and, Lots of people have um, backyard horses or used to, and um, it's just, you know, kind of the cost of progress, I guess. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's happening all over the country, no matter where you live, mountains yeah. or not. Well, yeah. before we let you go, how did you hear about us, Horse Radio Network? Uh, iTunes, five five years ago. 
Really? So you found us on iTunes, just doing a search? Yeah, all all the shows, and I started listening to them all, and you guys uh, spend a lot of time in my ears. <laughs> all the shows <laughs> sorry. do. Sorry, sorry about that. I we feel apologize. like I know you very well. You know, it is voluntary. I, I do enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, you could turn us off. Uh, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, Welcome you come out and camp. spend the weekend with us at Road to the Horse. So. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's the only reason that I knew about it. So... Well, they, um, I got a, I got a uh, note from Tootie, who is the organizer of Road to the Horse, and you saw Tootie mm-hmm. there over the weekend. I yep. got a note from her that she was very happy, and we had a lot of live listeners on Sunday, uh, more than we usually do live, and uh, of course, people listening to the replay as well. So I think that we'll probably be end up ending up going back and doing similar coverage again. And a well, shout out um, to Tammy, who was a terrific help this weekend. You got to meet Tammy, too. So Yeah, yeah. Tammy. I saw her sprinting around the place. Yes. She was a busy woman. She pretty much is like, uh, you know, she was, she's the director of operations now. That's our yeah. Tammy we're talking about uh, wow, from, that's a big, from the Western big Radio Show. Yeah, she's moved up. She started out as a, a lowly marketing person several years ago and now is director of operations. So she pretty much runs. Well, I think before that, she was just representing mounted shooting, wasn't she? Right, I, I mean, right. she really evolved into a job there. It's pretty impressive. Yep. And we got to see a lot of mounted shooting again, and I, I, I just got, I have to see Helena try that someday. I really do. I think it'd be <laughs> funny as hell. So Funny or scary. <laughs> Both. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now it's time for our rapid fire questions, which Helena's going to lead the way. I am going to lead the way. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm leading. So hold on to your, your hats. <laughs> All right, my dear. Let's start with what is your favorite food? Um, today, it's Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Ooh. Could be different. I want Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now. You know, Glenn, we need to change that first question. <laughs> well, Jennifer- what's, your, what's your least favorite food then? Shiitake mushrooms, without a doubt. Any mushrooms. Ugh, they're grown in poop. I love, I love mushrooms, but shiitakes taste like poison to me, and they ruin anything that they're in. Isn't that in funny? Because Jennifer can't eat the portobellos. She can't eat the big ones. Oh. You know, wow. mushrooms all have very distinct tastes, depending on their whatever variety, where they're grown. I don't care that they're grown in poop. Gosh. <laughs> no, I don't either. We, we're we barn people. We exactly. We probably eat more poop just coming in for lunch after a day at the <laughs> barn. Uh, under our fingernails, I think about that. Like, what's under there today? Lots. That's true. Honestly, you know what? I'd rather eat that than shake somebody's hand because it's the things that, that are in people's hands that are the most deadly. Amen. That's why Glenn got sick last That's week. right. That's why I got sick and rode to it's the true. horse. All those it's germy true. people. <laughs> What's your biggest equestrian pet peeve? Um, I think it's stalled horses who are neglected and never get, get out of the stall. It just makes me insane. I guess I see a fair amount of that where I am. So, mm, God, you know, sad. like they won't get out for months. Ugh. And people take pity on them and turn them out themselves. But those poor horses are just going insane. Oh my God, that would drive me nuts. I would probably commit a crime, yeah. you know, in the name of theft. Is there such a thing as grand theft horse? There's going to be. See, if that was me, that's what you it would be. You used to get hung for it in the old days. If yeah. you stole a horse? Right. Yeah. I'd risk it. <laughs> All right. Um, do you have a favorite professional celebrity equestrian? Um. Yeah, I would have to say Monty Roberts, hands down, because of 
just his work to improve the lives of horses around the world. It's very touching to me, and I I think that he doesn't do it for any any kind of personal glory or gain. He just does it for the horses, and um, I really admire that compassion and that that commitment that you know that has just carried out throughout his life. I'm very impressed with that. You got to good put it choice. On, I bet gotta, there's a lot of people who are shaking their nodding their heads right both now. Both have to put it on your bucket list to go out to flag us up for him sometime. Oh, it is. I intend to do it this year if I can. Helena too. You need to. Put yep. That on oh, your it's on there. List. And Monty's such a natural teacher and leader. I think you make a good point about saying he really does this stuff not for his own gain, but for his is this natural purpose of teaching and sharing with the rest of us what right. he knows. Good choice. Okay, what career, other than one with horses, would you like to try? Um, probably something in the arts. Usually I think I'd like to be an orchestra conductor. Ooh, that would be fun. Orchestra conductor. Yeah, I, I think it would wand. be. Pardon me? I can wave a wand. As best I can tell, they don't really have any rhyme or reason to it. They're just you need waving to keep away. time, Glenn. And nobody's need to looking keep at them anyway. They're always looking at the music in front of them. I never understood the whole conductor guy. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's uh, it's complicated. And pulling a whole piece of music together and reading multiple lines, I I think it's really impressive. I mean, it's it would be fun to play in a professional orchestra, too. But to pull all of that together and be that talented, I... Uh, I would like to have that experience. I think that'd be really gratifying. So I went to my second symphony ever in my life. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Jennifer wanted to go see the Disney one that's traveling around, the Fantasia one. Uh-huh. And, and I have to yeah. admit that I might have slept through about half of it. Uh, oh, Glenn! I just can't handle symphonies. I just <laughs> oh, can't do it. Glenn. Jennifer loved it, and it was all good. And, and in-laws were there, and they loved it. I did. I could not stay awake. <laughs> I just and they were good. They were really good. It just oh, it was Fantasia. Oh, maybe you just had a long day. Oh no, I just I went the last symphony I went to. It was the first date, and we went on it, and oh, <laughs> I fell asleep during that. It was in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I'll never now. forget that. And you fell asleep, and she still married you? No, 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 no. That was the uh, that that was no. We never went out after that. Again. Oh, 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 that was oh. a one one timer. That was a one timer. That, that was, was the one-timer. girl who didn't marry him. That's right. All right. Jennifer is Jennifer's a more forgiving soul. <laughs> she believe me, I didn't want to go out again either if symphonies were on the order of things to do. I was gonna be there. <sighs> okay, so um see I get so wrapped up in these conversations where okay, here we go. If you want a million dollars, where would you go on vacation? Um, I would go someplace I've been, I would go back to Kenya and go on safari. Mm. Preferably on horseback. <laughs> and what would you hope to see on your safari? What would be the best thing that could ever um, happen on safari? It just just the vistas and the wildlife there. I was uh, I was in Masai Mara, and I would love to see that again. And uh, I, you know, I saw a fair amount of animals, and it was fantastic. And I just really want to have that experience again. I was, you know quite a bit younger at the time and so I, I, I now have appreciate an appreciation for how much of that is being lost in the world and just like to capture it one more time. To go back and see it with different eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go with you. Okay. <laughs> just deal. Okay. 
If you could describe yourself with just three words, what words would you choose? Oh, wow. Um, Kind, conscientious, and um, what's the word for like? I I like to laugh. I don't know. Mm. I don't know what the word is for that. We can make it a (laughs) a hyphenated word. Good humored. Good humored. What did you say, Glenn? I said happy. 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 Yeah. yeah, that is a word for me. Optimistic and happy. Yeah, those are words. I gave you a lot of words. Carry See, on. Optimistic people <laughs> go over the three-word limit. I, that's kind of the fun part of this for me. You just you always know who's going to go over the three words. I love that. I turned the three words into like 39 words. Okay, what's what's the most terrifying thing you've ever done, Linda, and would you do it again? Um hands down I would not do it again hands down the worst thing the most terrifying thing is watching my daughter have a seizure she's got type 1 diabetes and had a very a low blood sugar that um you know it happens but this one almost killed her and she had a massive seizure and it was horrifying and no I hope to I I'll spend all my effort trying to prevent that from ever happening again but She's 18, and it's not going to be in my control much longer. Oh, that poor baby. Do you Are you the type of person who's good in a an emergency crisis? Can you keep your head about you and go about doing what you need to do, or do you sort of shut down? Um, I, I did. I, I got through it. With, my, our whole family was there. We were in a, in a hotel room, thank God. So I was right next to her in bed when it happened, and... I knew I needed to dial 911. I knew that I needed to give her a certain particular type of injection uh, and, you know, got through it. But I don't have a lot of practice with really urgent crises like that, you know. I don't think you need a lot of practice. I think it sounds like somehow when it's, you know, you're so connected to your child, especially if they have special needs, you, you, what surprises me is that, at some point in your life, the information that you needed on that night went into your brain. Yeah. It went into your little database, and it sat there untouched. Um, maybe it flashed through your conscious yeah. mind once or twice, but it really much it sat there dormant. It, it just amazes me that you can pull it out when you need it with very little practice and right. and get the job done. Um, yeah, it gets me it a little choked up. And it, it's funny that you say that because when we checked into that hotel room, my son, who is 15, was just inspecting the room the way that kids do. And he said, Mommy, why do you have to dial 7 before you dial 911? You know, he just thought that was odd. And, you know, I it, it was 1 o'clock in the morning. It woke me up from a dead sleep when it happened. And I remember him saying that, and that's why I was able to fumble through with dialing on the phone. I didn't have my glasses on, so I wouldn't have been able to read the instructions in that moment. And so that was just a happy coincidence. And, um, and I got through it. (laughs) I don't know. It's so let's, let's just, let's all pray that you don't have to repeat that experience again. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Ooh. Okay. If you could have one superpower power hero no if you could have one superhero power what would it be um it would be to cure type 1 diabetes cure it for my daughter and all the other kids 
Oh, of course it would. <laughs> if I your can horse... see you in your costume with the cape <clears throat> and a big yeah. needle across your chest. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what it would be? A big a big pancreas, a big healthy pancreas. <laughs> I think I'd rather see the needle. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, buzz. Yeah, you definitely need a cape, my dear. You need a cape. And back to horses. If your yeah. horse could speak, what question would you ask her? Um, I'd ask, uh, what can I do to help you feel comfortable in your senior years? Oh. See you. You are your first word was kind, and that is that is what describes you. It's just kind. (laughs) So, thank you so much for joining us, Linda Gettig. We appreciate you being our listener of the week. My pleasure, and thank you for putting out great programs and occupying my time so happily all the time. Thank you. You're awesome. You guys do a great job. Thank you. (laughs) Have a good day. You too. Bye. Isn't she sweet? We have such cool listeners. We really do. I mean, and the auditors especially. If you're wondering what an auditor is, if you're a new listener to the show, maybe you listened for the first time today because you you found us at at Road to the Horse. Uh, Our auditors are are listeners who find value in what we do and donate a little bit of money every month toward the hosts. Uh, Half of the money that we get every month goes back to Helena and the other full-time hosts we have here at the Horse Radio Network, and they do appreciate it, believe me, because we don't pay them much. So, (laughs) So anything they get from you as well as well appreciated um and it's starting to add up now because we have uh we have quite a few auditors and you can donate as little as a dollar a month if you see value in what we do and you just want to give a little value back head over to stablescoop.com and click on the auditor banner on the stable scoop page and as i said you can do you, it's a donation you can do as little as a dollar a month up to we have a lot of people doing 25 dollars a month and there's little incentives for doing more so you can check that out one of the biggest advantages of it is to hang out in our auditor facebook page and I know we talk about that a lot. And we talk about it being the coolest and most active Facebook page there is. I swear, these people don't post anything on their own pages anymore. They just talk <laughs> on the auditor page. And it's true. When I went to Linda's Facebook page to find a picture of us from over the weekend together, she hadn't posted any on her Facebook page. She posted them all over in the auditor's page. <laughs> so, Well, that's where her peeps are hanging yeah, out. It's the family, and it re- the auditors really have become a family. And if you want to be part of that family, you can. It's a very positive place. There's no neg- negative that goes on there. And check it out. You know, I, I want to just bring this up because I know you probably saw it. There, I'm not going to say her name. But there was one of our auditors, very active, and she's she was having a tough time uh, with riding her horse and the mental aspect of all of that and really posted a heartwarming throwing it out all out there post you i think you know which one i'm talking about and the responses she got from our auditors and the help she got from them was just it was heartwarming it really was (sighs) Uh, and and you know that's that's the kind of thing that you probably she would not have put that out there on an open facebook page but because this is closed and only auditors who really pay to be there and really want to be part of this group she was, you know, she was willing to really put it out there, uh, and you know, and she, you know, she she got some love in return and hopefully some help too. So. The thing is about our community is that we work very hard to be non-judgmental, and I think a lot of us have all made mistakes and been through some tough stuff, 
And we can appreciate the fact that our horse friends are also going through some tough stuff and also make mistakes. So when we see something that's off, I think the goal of the community is to support, educate, or inform versus criticize. And so the forum, our auditor Facebook forum, has really become a place where it's safe for a lot of things. And I mean, people are posting, you know, all kinds of stuff, not just horse stuff, because it's a place where we feel safe to do so. Totally agree. I think that's exactly what's happened there. And uh, and I'm very proud of the auditors for also stepping up and, and making it a positive experience for everybody. So good on them. Thank you all. Well, that's it for today. You can find Helena at... You can find me at that Newport show where I'm spending my time. I, I'm, I'm working Sparkling Boom Marketing. No more flooding with the world. So it's just Horse Radio Network, Sparkling Boom, and that Newport show. And that's enough. And, and a little show called Stable Scoop. Well, that's HRN. It's a given. Yep. Uh, and you can get our app if you're, again, a new listener. And I know we probably have a lot of them. We've had a ton of people download the app since uh, the weekend. If uh, you're a new listener, the best way to listen to our shows, the easiest way, is our Horse Radio Network app. It's free and it's easy, iOS or Android. Just search for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. Uh, and uh, we also love your feedback. You can drop us an email. You can send us a Facebook message, uh, Helena at horseradionetwork.com or Glenn at horseradionetwork.com. And you can even reach Helena if you live in New England area and, or if you're planning a trip to Newport. That'd be fun, right? Um, it's a great place to plan a trip. Well, I'm thinking, too, if they want to contact you about things to do or you know, maybe you could do a little bit of an interview with them before and after the trip. That'd be kind of fun. That's Absolutely. A, that's a cool segment, right? Absolutely. Um, if you're a stable scoop fan and you want to hit me up about Newport or you're planning to make a visit to the East Coast, Northeast, New England, or Rhode Island in particular, totally reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to share the love. And we we love Newport, Jennifer and I, so much we had our honeymoon there. And many thanks to this week's sponsors, Uncle Jimmy's. Of course, Uncle Jimmy's hanging balls and his squeezy things and all his other body parts. <laughs> you can find him at uncle-jimmys.com and the Clarion Lexington at clarionhotellex.com. That's it for this week. That was plenty, as always. But there will be more next week. Until then, happy scooping.